Hi everyone and welcome to Opera Omnia, Season 3, Episode Number 8. I'm your host, Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. I know what you're thinking. Duncan, you lied to us. You said last month we would get an Opera Omnia and you did not deliver. You are right, dear listener. I did not deliver. What I did, though, was a summer series. And every year I forget how time-consuming those summer series episodes are. And as a result of that, this channel always takes the brunt of it. However, it's not as if... I've given up Opera Omnia because I'm back with episode number eight and in quick succession within the next three weeks you'll be getting episode number nine putting us right back on track. Now joining me on season number three looking at the entire filmography of David Fincher is my resident host the wonderful Bo Ransdell. Bo how you doing? I'm doing well Duncan. <laughs> I'm glad that you are doing well Bo. I'm trying to take a scholarly tone as we are looking at an entire filmography. Here we are looking at David Fincher, one yep. of the finest filmmakers working today. And yep. uh, pardon me, let me tap out my pipe. <laughs> and I'm ready for your crack pipe bowl. <laughs> it's a pipe, Duncan. Don't worry about what's in it. <laughs> it's it's a blend of. Uh, uh, Turkish tobaccos and PCP. I thought you were going to say it's a blend of Cajun spices. And... <laughs> it's 31, 31 spices that make the best fried chicken around, Duncan. <laughs> a blend of <laughs> seasonings and southern flavors that you can only enjoy on fried chicken and pipes. Oh my god, just the idea of, like, Bo Ransdell is the colonel. It was me all along! Right. I pull off my mask and I've got, you know, a Van Dyke and a little <laughs> bow tie or whatever it is that he wears. A, a bolo tie, that's what it is. <laughs> hey, Duncan, here I am. I just want you to have some delicious fried chicken. <laughs> Wait a second. Perchance, could it be finger licking good? Finger licking good? Why, you lick your toes. <laughs> oh, dear. Let's not do that. Uh, right, you know, <laughs> have you watched? Have you watched any of Dope Sick yet? The Michael Keaton uh, series about all the opioid problem in America. No, 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 no. It's good. It, it. I've only seen the first episode, but I enjoyed that. But the thing that's funniest about it is that he's constantly eating Kentucky Fried Chicken on that show. <laughs> and it's kind of a plot point. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Should be a plot uh, point. All right. Oh, right. It's it, like the way that the pharmaceutical rep is like, how about we we sit down and discuss opioids over a bucket of Kentucky's finest? Yep. Yep. I mean, that's, I, I that's would, almost a direct line. I would much rather TV shows and movies did that as opposed to blatant product placement, which no one addresses. They should just be upfront about it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to sit down and have a KFC because I eat KFC. You know, like that sort of thing, as opposed to, you know, like, oh, mum went out and brought dinner home and then no one makes reference to the fact that they're eating KFC. Except the bucket is perfectly positioned so we can see the logo um, and all that shit. I hate that. It's nefarious. So I'm glad yeah. that they're doing that, Bo. And the uncle is, like, clutching his chest in the background. <laughs> and All the sodium and cholesterol has done me wrong. <laughs> Grandpa wants more gravy. Uh, so. yeah, there's more grave than gravy to you. <laughs> you were uh, like you were involved in the summer series as well, so we've both been busy. 
And now we've come back in the busiest month for a for a podcaster of our I don't persuasion. Do that much, Duncan. Yep, you've been doing like a movie a day, uh, releasing reviews, which um, people out there should be checking out. And you can obviously plug it to within an inch of its life at the end of the show. But we're, we're speaking about a movie which is not a horror movie, unless you look at the real-world ramifications post the launch of Facebook, which is the real horror, Bo. <laughs> yeah, the most horrific of movies. Um, yeah, there, so I want to almost weirdly lead off with the idea that there, David Fincher is doing a sequel to this movie. Is he? Yeah, they're doing a follow-up to the social network that is sort of the years following the events of this movie. Oh, God. Which, yeah, I mean, this is sort of, you know, like, <laughs> Psycho 4, the beginning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, this is where you, you learn of the evil roots of, of Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, and then we're going to get a movie later that is all... Here is what fruits, <laughs> what terrifying fruits sprung from that poison tree. Is that movie just called I Told You So? <laughs> yeah, it just C? Question mark. <laughs> oh, man, it's so... The thing is, the thing about... like, I, I hadn't seen this movie in a few years, and we're obviously... We're gonna, we're, this is just a preamble, ladies and gents, and then we're going to get into it. Um, but I hadn't seen this movie in a, a, a fair few years, but I remember when it came out, I remember going to see it, and like I, I, you know, thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Not want to give too much away here, but you know, thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, really, kind of felt like this was, you know, like there's only one man that can make this movie, and that man is David Fincher. Like, it's, it's kind of perfectly uh, positioned for a director and all the rest. I actually think the casting is genius as well. But we'll swing around to it. But it's not a movie that I, of the Fincher filmography, it's not a movie that I regularly revisit mostly because it's very difficult to like anyone in this movie and that to me is a I don't often like to sit down and spend time watching movies about people that are just horrible uh, so like it, it becomes one of those ones that you know like every now and again I think it's easily about four or five years since I sat down, maybe even longer than that, since I sat down and, and watched the movie itself. And it won all the awards. That did very, 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 very well. So, yeah. but I remember that, going to the cinema experience of it, being like that, Fincher's got a new movie out. Oh, right, it's about the birth of Facebook. Like, back in, look, this is back in 2010. So, like, Facebook had been around for, what, four years? Five years tops? Uh, four years, I think, to the public. So it was still like relatively in its infancy, and I think it was still at a stage that like you would do your, uh, it would be whenever you put a comment, it would be as like Duncan McLeish is going to, you know, a concert, you know, these sort of things, very similar to how you used to use Twitter uh, way back before Twitter became also a cesspit of fucking, you know, horrible fucking people and and judgment, um, but. You know, like I, I like distinctly remember, like back then, even being like that. I'm surprised we've like the origins of it are completely nefarious and fucking horrible. But it's still it's a platform where, at the most, I have to see what people are up to and occasionally see a picture of their food. This isn't terrible. And then you jump forward eleven years from that point, and I'm like that. Well, this we should be referring to this as day zero, um, like uh, because it is like it's it, like in 2021 eyes. It makes me dislike the characters in the movie even fucking more. But that first view, I was just like, ah, this is like a really interesting story about a, a nerd who 
couldn't couldn't really get any interest from women so creates a nefarious platform in order to get interest from women um, or perv on them but that was like my limit of it what about yourself did you is this a was this a when this movie came out I saw it in the cinema or was this a eh, I'll catch this one when it comes out to rent I think I I, I didn't see it in the theater I think I, uh, this was one I saw pretty quick though because of the buzz around it yeah and you know just as soon as it hit home video I think this was the heady days not kind of uh, Netflix mailing you DVDs <laughs> oh wow <laughs> remember, remember when that happened oh yeah and <laughs> I, I for a long time I was the one person still getting uh, DVDs from Netflix, and they then they sent me a letter and they were like, "Look, it's just you, so we're gonna stop doing that now." <laughs> it's uh, like uh, I, there used to be a listener of uh, one of the podcasts I did that um, like would not get rid of his Zoom machine. I'm like, dude, just let it go. He's <laughs> like, I don't know if I can get yeah. things on my Zoom now. I don't know. Could you maybe see about it? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to speak to Microsoft and see if they'll patch something so things will make your Zoom, right? Just like, that's redundant technology now. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. <laughs> let your Zoom end up in the trash. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> right. And the it's interesting that we are recording this show sort of in the shadow of the recent whistleblower that came out oh yes <laughs> to, to point out that like as bad as you thought facebook was it turns out it's a whole lot worse yeah yeah and and i think you and i are are similar in that we both use facebook a lot yep um it's kind of our primary form of communication with our audience in a lot of ways yeah more so than uh, more so than Twitter, I find Twitter is a little too chaotic. It's hard to have a conversation on Twitter yeah. in, in the same way that you can on Facebook. But also, my Facebook is a heavily curated experience. Oh, so is mine. Yeah. So I don't, I don't check my eh, uh, more so now than I used to, I suppose. But I don't really look at my timeline all that much. It's like I've got my group. And, and that's where I keep everything. Uh -huh. And, and like, I invite people into the group and we have those conversations. And as soon as somebody's a douchebag, I'll kick them out. Hadn't happened yet. Yeah. But, uh, if, if that's the case, I'll boot them out. And that's how I keep it curated. And I don't look at Facebook as a source of news or political information or anything like that. I don't use it for that. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who do. And and like I said, in the in the shadow of this whistleblower, the thing we have learned is that Facebook has basically built their company on getting people pissed off, and that leads to engagement. Yeah. And and that's why that's why Facebook does what Facebook do. That's why it shows you increasingly agitating stories about you know uh, political opponents or or or. or whatever it is you know like uh the example given was like hey if you're into diet stuff eventually it's going to give you more and more extreme diet stuff yeah um just to keep you engaged you know that and youtube operates the same way it's oh yes though those social media algorithms that are built not to actually give you information or to give you a platform to stay in touch with the people in your lives that you care about although you still can use it that way mm -hmm. but you know it that's not its intent the the intention of facebook 
is to keep you using it. And the way to keep you using it is to keep you emotionally agitated. Yeah, it's the it's the equivalent of like if you have like a relative that you don't see often, and in a conversation you passingly mention that you enjoy, I don't know, I enjoy uh, fly fishing. Now I personally don't enjoy fly fishing, but let's just say they were talking about fly fishing. I was like, oh yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Secretly, I haven't. I'm just being polite in conversation. And then every birthday after that, they buy you more ostentatious fly fishing gear. And you're like, I don't like this. <laughs> like, I showed a yeah. passing interest in it once. And they're like, yeah, right. So first it starts off as a book. And you're like, all right, I'm not going to be rude to them. So I'll accept the book. Then the following year, it's a pair of like waders and a fucking hat. And then the year after that, it's like a build your own fly for fly fishing. Kit. And, you're like, and all this stuff goes in. Uh, like all this stuff goes because like, guilt guilt hangs around so you keep it instead of getting rid of it and then before you know it you have a room which is just filled with fly fishing gear that's like, algorithms like that are designed for well you like this so you like all of this and it's all right of this. yeah and oh. you'll see that if you look at your facebook timeline it'll be like because you liked this because yeah. you were interested in this group here are other groups that you might like and that kind of thing yeah. and it's just you know how do we keep you using facebook all the time as opposed to just a little bit and that's you know not to get preachy about it but that's kind of the thing that you have to learn as someone who engages with social platforms yes is you have to have that moment where you're like okay this is when i need to step away from it yeah you know yeah. and it's kind of the moment it's that critical moment that that Facebook is trying to get you to, which is the moment where you get upset or angry or or are like overly emotional about what you're reading on Facebook is kind of the moment that you need to disengage with it. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know about you, Duncan. Every now and again, I'll see somebody that's like, well, I'm back after being banned on Facebook for, yeah. you know, 30 days or whatever. It's like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Why you are were you... out. <laughs> you were out. Right. <laughs> Just when well, I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Like, and no. not only that, how do you have to? Act, how do you behave in such a way that Facebook, yeah, a, a a company and platform built on making people upset? How do you do something so extreme that Facebook is like, you need to take a break? But it's never. But I think the thing is, like having spoke to people that have been banned for thirty days, it's never anything extreme. You know what I mean? It's never, it's never, thin, it's never anything to. It's, it's there algorithms that police like language and whatnot. That's why I've like, I, I, we spoke about this. I, I don't know how many times, like, all, all, kind of off here. Like I, well, I now have like a like a pause before I post comments on mm. Facebook, specifically back to people where I'll write something and I'll maybe put my phone down for a couple of minutes, you know, go away, make a cup of coffee or something. Just take take a, a second away from it, come back and read it. And then do I really want to post that or do I not? Uh, because like your gut that you know, it's like you say when you're emotionally invested in something, you will interact. And that's that's just, you know that's the design. And guess what? People that are angry tend to be most responsive. <laughs> like, anger is a powerful yeah. emotion. You know what I mean? Like it really, really, really is. So they want you to post angry comments, and they want to. I get the feeling that we're two steps away from tinfoil hats. Bo, I love it. Uh, but they want you to. They want you to post these things. They want you to engage, and angry people engage. Like people that are riled up engage a lot so by kind of like taking that pause from, from my perspective 
taking a pause, putting the phone down, coming back and reading it and got that. Is this even worth me hitting send? Because all they're going to do is post something back. They're not going to take the pause that I took. It's going to be shot right from the hip and then I'm back to square one. So rather than engage in those conversations, I just stop. Like, I, I, I think people at times think I'm being rude because I don't get back on certain things. And what I've realised is that I don't have to. Like, I genuinely... I don't have to reply to anyone. I'm not accountable to anyone yeah. on a, a, a social platform. I think everyone thinks they are. And I think when you start to remove yourself from that, you know, when you realise that this is just a construct that we've built as a form of communication that has been heavily tailored, like you say, to, to agitate you. Like once you unplug yourself from that, I think even using a, a like a platform like Facebook becomes a less stressful place to be. I literally post podcast stuff and chat to the occasional friends, post pictures of my kids for my family to see. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> that's like literally yeah. about the extent of my Facebook use. And it's tailored down to a huge amount in the what seven, eight years that we've been kind of podcast buds. Um, in that time, I went from being heavily active in over a hundred Facebook group pages down to purely the Facebook pages that I curate. So they're the ones that I use. Most of them have low participation out with the podcast under the stairs page, which is the one that everyone says that they enjoy interacting on and I've done a great job at setting up a tolerant community. I didn't, there's no rules in my group. Like I don't have a, you need to be respected. There's nothing like that at all. I just at no point behave like a dickhead. So as a result, I think people have not behaved like dickheads. And that's on them. That's not yeah. on me. I have like I've like, I think I've kicked one person at my group, ever, and that's because and that person even apologised to me and asked if you know if you know if they could if I could remove them from the group because they were getting stressed out about a conversation. Which is like just remove me from the group and I'll come back at a later time. So I've literally never kicked out anyone. I've literally never had an altercation in my group, which has went to the point where it ruined my day or made me lose sleep. Um, none of that at all. But, like, I just, I, I don't engage. And I think that's the thing. Don't engage. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, aside from ironically calling a, a few people monsters yeah, <laughs> uh, for, you know, one opinion or another. But again, it's all kind of in good fun. Yeah. Um, like that's as extreme as I've ever gotten and that and I think I think you're right I think it's sort of a top-down sort of curation where you don't have to actively police a group if the group that you are creating in general is much more about like hey we're all here to have a good time um, you know like podcast of the stairs is very much that that is the vibe of that show is yeah. yes you know even with all the conflict of summer series even within that conflict it's hey let's let's all have fun with this yes. idea that this Always. is all gonna be uh it, it like it's an impossible task and blah 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 yeah. so yeah i i think that's i i think that is what makes facebook okay yeah. you know but it, it's not it's not like Facebook is neutral. Facebook no. <laughs> tends to the chaotic and the, and the conflict. Uh, and you have to sort of combat that with your own, your own good vibes, yeah. uh, for lack of a better term, your own, your own sort of sense of, you know, community and that kind of thing. And, and what you foster, it's really easy to go down that, that road of, 
um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start posting, uh, you know, shit about, you know, the other political side or whatever, yep. and, and get into that kind of name calling and that kind of thing. That the shit that gets you booted off Facebook for thirty days mm -hmm. because you're being uh, aggressive. But that's also like ironically that as we talk about, that's the thing that if Facebook both wants it and and has to police it a little bit so that they don't bear any responsibility if yes. anything happens. Yes. And that's you know that kind of guides us into the movie itself, which is you know a whole lot of hey, it I'm just creating a platform. It's not my fault what happens on that yeah. platform. You yes. know, a lot of a, a, a lot of it's not my fault. Yeah, it's not my you fault. Bro. <laughs> not me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think that comes from, or at least certainly, the presentation of Zuckerberg in Social Network. And I think it's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, is you know this idea of I want to have deniability, but I want it the other way too. Like I I want everything that I want. I just don't want to take any responsibility. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And you've segued us. See, what a pro, what a pro. Ladies and gents, we are going to take a short break. You're going to hear the trailer for The Social Network when we return myself and Bo discussing that movie right after this. substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles. I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours. Thousand. 22,000. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook. I know what it said. So did we. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going to get left behind. It's moving faster what than any of us ever imagined get left it would behind. Let's sue him in federal court. I can't wait to stand over your shoulder and what you write as a check. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Is there anything that you need to tell me? Your actions could have permanently destroyed everything I've been working on. We have been working on. Did you like being a joke? Do you want to go back to that? Mark! This is our time. You're being accused of intentionally breaching security, violating copyrights, violating individual privacy. Your best friend is suing you for $600 million. As for the charges, I believe I deserve some recognition from this board. Uh, I'm sorry? Yes. I don't understand. Which part? And welcome back. So you've just had the trailer for The Social Network, directed by David Fincher. Surprise, surprise, a screenplay 
uh, was done by Aaron Sorkin, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's based on the Accidental Billionaires book written by Ben Mesrich. The movie itself, Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Trousersneak, I mean Timberlake, uh, Rene Mara. Um, but was that a thing over there? Did you guys call him the Trouser Snake as well, or is that a Scottish thing? That's got to be a Scottish thing, but <laughs> also, I, I got to be honest, Duncan, I'm just not that deep into the Justin Timberlake community. <laughs> so, I mean, no denying he's a triple threat. He is, he is. Yes. But uh, <laughs> as, as far as the size of his penis, I just don't know. I think we just called him Trouser Snake because it rhymed with Timberlake. <laughs> I think that was, that's how lazy nicknames can be sometimes. It rhymes, so it's funny. Um, and it also means dick. Uh, so, Brian Barter... It does, it does also mean dick. It does mean dick. Uh, Dustin Fitzsimmons, Joseph Mazzello, uh, Patrick M Maple, uh, Toby Malou, uh, Alicia Svensson, Svensson uh, Robert Dastoni, that's a great name, Trevor Wright, that Barry... The Tony in German. Yeah, does that's Tony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is that's what you get when you win one of those Tony awards. Ah, do has won in Das Tony. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what one is, uh, so I just said Vinan, which I'm barely sure is still the right word. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's not right. Uh, Scott Crow is in this one, and there's to be honest, like with all Fincher's movies, it's a fairly massive ensemble cast so i'm not going to go too far into it but this the synopsis for the social network is as harvard student mark zuckerberg creates a social networking site that would become known as facebook he is suing he's sued by two twins who claim he stole their idea and by the co-founder who was later squeezed out of the business uh bo this is a in terms of doing like our standard reviews where we kind of go beat by beat through through the movie, this is not one of those movies which is ideally suited to it. A lot of this is massive amounts of kind of Zuckerberg uh, dialogue through the mouth of Jesse Eisenberg, who speaks a mile a minute. Um, mm -hmm. So rather than do that, what, what I thought, kind of similar to how we did our preamble into, into this review, I think it'd be kind of interesting just to kind of touch on the kind of concepts, the beats, and certain scenes that are of interest um, here, obviously linking it back to David Fincher, like who is the guy we're talking about. And I will say about this, straight away with this movie, is it has that Fincher sheen over this very cold-looking movie. <laughs> I'm like, you need to wear a sweater yeah. when you watch this, because it is like there's no warmth or heat or anything ever in this movie. The palette, particularly, is very industrial, and it's and it's look is like and I think it's I don't know once again if that's a kind of a conscious choice. Fincher likes those palettes anyway in his movies, as you will see in every Fincher movie that you watch. He doesn't like bright colors. Um, mm -hmm. but there's also a part of me that feels you know this is a a movie about tech. It's like a it's tech that we're talking about and coding and development and. You know, uh, th th and, th and there's a bit of a legal drama in here and all the rest. Isn't exactly the movie for vibrant colours. 
Um, and also totally makes sense as to why you would bring on board the the, the, the stable hands of the Trent Reznor and uh, Atticus Ross, who won an Oscar for the score in this one. The score for The Social Network is fucking incredible. It's almost better than the movie. <laughs> like, it's that good. Um, yeah, like, it's it's very good, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's the one where like people were like, who is this Trent Reznor? And they're like, I've been listening to him for years. He's my favourite musician. I'm so glad to now listen to The Fragile. And they're like, no, I don't like that. And I'm like, well, get out. That's what I'm like. Um, get the get the out. Get says. the get the out of my presence. They get, the <laughs> get the fucked. Get the fucked. So like <laughs> it, it has it has a lot of that. Also, would you mention it? Uh, Aaron Sorkin behind the screenplay here. A lot of Sorkin dialogue. Which if you're gonna have that Sorkin dialogue, you need the Jesse Eisenberg who can do all that stuff uh, very 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 quickly. So kind of that's what you're getting here. Like I think anyone that's expecting. I don't know what you would expect from the social network coming in, but if you've never seen the movie before, what I would say is clear some time, like clear a bit of time. This is like, it's, it's a two hour movie and it is heavily dialogue driven. And if you don't have two hours to really commit, to, this is not the sort of movie that you can get up in the middle of it while it's still running, make a cup of coffee, sit back down and, you know, be exactly where you were before. Because a lot of this is the kind of nuances in the character of Mark Zuckerberg, which turned him from being completely unlikable to being nigh on detestable by the end. <laughs> and it's all those interactions that add up to that throughout the movie. Anything you want to kind of, like, from, from a kind of Fincher uh, perspective as he kind of lead into this movie to someone that hadn't seen it, anything you want to uh, kind of state a case for before we start going through some of the scenes and some of the stuff? Um, you know, I think if there is a single character that is kind of redeemable in this movie, <laughs> question mark? Yeah, it's probably Andrew Garfield's Eduardo Sovereign. Yeah, yeah. who's the probably the was, like, yeah. I did not know that. Like until I watched this movie, I, and that's how good the fucking that's how good Zuckerberg's marketing team is. Uh, I did not know Facebook was started by two people. Even back in 2010, I always knew it as Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, and and I think that is sort of the 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 interesting thing about it. like the whole movie is sort of Mark Zuckerberg creating the world that he wants and yeah. feeling like he deserves it. Yes, yes, and and that's the thing about it that I find kind of both interesting and it and it sort of helps define how i feel about zuckerberg as a person in a lot of ways <laughs> where where i'm like this is just an asshole who decided early on that because he I, he's no doubt a genius yes oh god yeah must it, be and but he's also in entirely narcissistic isn't that part and parcel of being a genius like, isn't part, like, isn't, like, because the more I was thinking about this, like, when we talk about, like, artists, for example, the best artists in the world are the ones that are dickheads. Because you kind of have uh... to be, you kind of, like, you know what I mean? You kind of have to be so confident that you are right. And that kind of, almost that sheer force of will is what gets people on board. Yeah, I, I think I, there's. I'm not saying everyone, I, but I'm saying the most successful. Like, I, I, I want to see 
I, I, I want to see the transcripts of what, like, what would have been the first draft of that Steve Jobs movie because they made him out to be a relatively nice guy in that movie, and I think he's probably another Zuckerberg. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. But also in, you know, the Aaron Sorkin uh, yes. Steve Jobs movie, you like, he's kind of an asshole in that, for sure. He is, very much. And I think, once again, that's because you've got Sorkin doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Sorkin's got a, a good way of just, like, peeling back the bullshit and getting to the, the, the kind of, the, the real person to an extent. But when you think about... Like the portrayal in this movie specifically of those people of importance that are commanding the internet. Uh, I'm thinking about Sean Parker, for example, played by Justin Timberlake, the founder mm -hmm. of Napster. I mean, you could argue, and very successfully, that Napster is... I mean, you could argue that the industry is at fault for not anticipating that things were going to move online. Right? Any record company that could not see the writing on the wall here um, is an idiot. Like, like an actual actual physical idiot but at the same time Sean Parker sees absolutely nothing wrong with creating a platform very much like Facebook which allows people to put content that you would have to pay for up for free he sees nothing he yes. sees like so he in a lot of respects he's, he's like the kind of he's the he's the sexier version of Mark Zuckerberg and that's what's very interesting about his entry into this movie where he's almost portrayed as like the guy who's gonna give Mark Zuckerberg a makeover to an extent like this is how a, this is how a tech guy behaves you should be behaving like me but it's the same nefarious thing you go like if you speak to any musician granted the ones that were complaining about it were the ones that probably shouldn't have been like Metall I remember Metallica I remember Lars Ulrich complaining about Napster hitting the bottom line yes Lars yeah that's that's a good look for Metallica always yeah. was yeah that's like yeah. yes yeah totally is I remember that bit in some kind of monster the the documentary where he decides yeah I'm tired of my what 60 million dollar art collection which I'll just put up at auction oh, but, oh by the way I make more money off it it's a hard life being Lars Ulrich like it really really is I'm, I'm so glad so glad that he survived through that Napster debacle but like he's he's kind of portrayed it so like it's on some level there's an idea here that the the kind of forward thinker the ideas men of the internet are are the you know are the <laughs> are, are are narcissistic horrible assholes well it's it's the notion that because you have an idea whose time has come yeah then everything else whether it's personal relationships or the law or whatever yeah. can get out of the way like the i i'm gonna probably get this wrong is but there was a a mantra at facebook a, a corporate mantra mm -hmm. that went um move fast and break things yeah and and that's sort of Mark Zuckerberg is and also both Sean Parker, who I agree, kind of comes into the movie to clean Zuckerberg up a little bit and to make him like to make him appreciate your public persona is as important as what you're doing behind the scenes. And also like it's okay to be a little bit of a hedonist in, yeah. in a lot of respects. But there is also with both Sean Parker and with Zuckerberg in the movie, this notion that they are 
deeply flawed and awkward people whose genius is what gives them confidence yeah but also they're not they have no social skills Yes, you know, and the irony of that, that yes. you know, the irony of creating a platform which allows people to socially interact created by someone who has the inability, is, is stapled um, almost to a chair, like, like when, when it comes to actually having to interact with people, he has no skills at all. There's, there's actually, there's a, a, a distinct lack of depth to a Mark Zuckerberg. There's no nuance, you know what I mean? And as a well, result, in, go for it. Yeah, in the in that first scene, even you've got him and Rooney Mara, which is you know, sort of the through line of the the movie is yeah. that, or, or the the suggestion is that this rejection is what kind of propelled him. Yeah, but like Ted Bundy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, uh, yes. you know, <laughs> the she she's the one who lit the fuse on on the Facebook bomb in a lot of ways because. You know, he's he's kind of an asshole. He's very narcissistic. He's yeah. very self-involved. And she just tells him that. She's like, you know, you're you're a smart guy, but you're kind of a dick, and I'm mm -hmm. done with you. And I'm gonna go be treated like a human being by an, another guy who is probably not as smart as you, yeah, but is a better human being. <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> and so she bails on him, and that's what again within the context of the movie that's what creates face smash yes <laughs> which is him you know <laughs> ranking all the women on campus it's this oh. very like sexist misogynistic way to get back at this girl of like you weren't you're not the best looking girl anyway and i'm gonna do this thing that gives me an element of, of control over women as a whole yeah if if uh, if i if if a, the the concept and idea of a dude bro was a website that's face smash yeah yeah which you know if you haven't seen the movie the idea was all these guys at harvard passing around pictures of the women of harvard and yeah. rating who is the hottest yeah and, and i mean it's just the grossest shit like when you're yeah. a teenager that's somewhat understandable but uh it anybody uh, these days that looks at that is like, oh, I, I wish that website was around. Like, you're a bad person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but that also, like, that is the thing that puts him on the radar of the Winklevoss twins. As oh, what a name. What a name. No. Like, <laughs> would you like millionaire? The, like, they may as well just be called the millionaire twins. <laughs> right. Like, my name is, uh, like, Armin v Von Rich Guy. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it is it is totally uh, a, a rich per and, and the Winklevi as they're called, which I think is hilarious. Uh, amazing. Uh, yeah. Instead of calling them the Winklevosses, the Winklevi. Uh, but yeah, so they're they've got an idea for essentially Facebook. I mean, it is that is their idea. Yeah, well, uh, worth saying as well because we never covered it in the the, the, the kind of the cast list and. Um, <laughs> The Winklevi, played by um, self-confessed cannibal Army Hammer, <laughs> notorious weirdo <laughs> Army Hammer. Perfectly, like, like, like whether or not you <laughs> agree with these life choices <laughs> and the taste of human flesh, he's fucking great in this. Because, like, from the moment he appears on screen, I hate him, and that was yeah, his job. It, 
make a character that is easily hateable. <laughs> and also does a good job in the movie, uh, again, not to... We're not celebrating his personal <laughs> life. No, no. <laughs> but Army Hammer does an amazing job of being two people. Like, they are yes. definitely distinct characters. A hundred percent. And that, that, it, it's a really, really fine job. But, yeah, so they, they basically hire um, Mark Zuckerberg to help create, because of what he did with Face Smash, they're like, we want you to do essentially the same kind of code work for us and here's this idea only it's going to be this harvard social network where people can post their pictures and say what they're doing and you know do status updates and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and mark zuckerberg is like no problem that's exactly what i'll do also i'm gonna seal that idea and instead of doing it at harvard i'm gonna do it everywhere yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 Enlist the aid of his buddy, uh, as played by Andrew Garfield, Eduardo Saverin. Yes. To be sort of the money man to help, you know, broaden that from just Harvard to these other schools and that kind well, of he thing. Well, has, he, has he has the interpersonal skills to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's a, he's a business guy. He's really likable. He's very outgoing. He's, an, you know, a handsome guy, but he's not just an asshole yeah he's, he's weirdly he's, yeah he's like in a lot of respects and a lot of companies do this they have the you know the <laughs> they have the, the the team of developers in the background who maybe don't have the personal skills and then you have the salesperson at front and it, like, interestingly enough like once again going back to the steve jobs analogy uh, which is a really really good one which i, I kind of love there's a there's a bill burr um skit on on steve jobs um, and like Apple announcements uh, where Bill Burr says, you know, like, like that. Like Steve Jobs comes out and they're all like, oh, like praise them as if he's the guy that actually sat down with a soldering iron, like making an iPhone. He didn't do it. He's like, there's an army yeah. of ghouls trapped in a lab somewhere making the thing for him. Like he doesn't like his, he's like, at most he's the ideas guy who says like, I want, what was it? Like I want my entire music collection in a, in a small box. That's what I want make it happen and the guys go we physically create that but because it's his idea he right. gets he's, the credit for it he's the visionary right yeah <laughs> he's the visionary he's... that says i want it in a small box like and there's and that's kind of this is the thing here isn't it to an extent i think that's also what kind of sours a lot of the relationship um between uh, Saverin and zuckerberg overall is like like Saverin thinks on some level they're like they're fully partners and zuckerberg doesn't see it that way <laughs> like at all yeah well it it's that zuckerberg is always using people as a means to an end yes yeah and and Saverin approaches it like you like you said like we're partners in this mm -hmm. where zuckerberg is more like we're partners as long as that is you know expedient for me yeah as, as the the mastermind behind uh facebook like he wants the credit yeah for for being uh the genius behind it and a lot of that has to do with sean parker coming along and being like <laughs> you know it's all it's all personality it, you yeah. know that not only is the product it, it itself what you're selling but you're selling yourself as the genius behind the product yeah and and that's what Sean Parker did with Napster. Yes. <laughs> and 
you know, and he like he admits like oh, Napster didn't make me any money. In fact, it got me sued. Yeah. But it changed the world. And yeah. that's more important than than the the financial. And it also made him a household name. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you can like from that like as soon as you have let me put it this way. See if you decide to write a book about your life, Bo. Does it sell well if you have achievements that make you lots of money, but no one cares about those achievements? Or, you know, if you have achievements, which like you see are universally known and recognized throughout the world, but didn't make you any money. Yeah, it's the latter. Yeah. Like, he, like, Sean Parker's doing fine. So, like, all the lawsuits and all the rest... Aside, John Parker's doing like he's 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 dining up in the clubs, but um, because like he's he, like you say he's a household name by then. Napster was like it was the thing, like, probably the best thing that could ever happen to Napster was the the you know the big lawsuit with Metallica, like because like it elevated the like, I don't think I'd ever heard of Napster before that, um, which is weird. I, I think I was more a LimeWire man because my computer deserved to die. Mm -hmm. with every single Trojan horse that was out there. Um, but, you know, like, there is that part like where he's kind of, like, like you say, he's selling the idea. It's, it's weird. It's like the it's like the old kind of traveling salesman. You know, this tonic will cure anything. It'll put hair in your chest and, you know, lead in your pencil and, like, all these things where all you have to, you don't physically have to necessarily back up all the benefits of it, but if you can, if you can be the face in front of it, um, you know that's the it's the platform like you say it's the it's the accountability is removed because I created I created the means for you to communicate online in this forum. If you decided to use it for like calling people dickheads or stalking someone or being you know malicious or bullying people, well that's you. Like I like I just created the tool. You know like would you would you lock up the man who creates the gunbow? No. You, you lock up the person that shoots it and kills the other person, which would be all right if that's the way it is. But like you say, like the whistleblower kind of doubling down on things recently is, no, 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 you're actively loading the gun for the person. Yeah. I know you came in for a handgun, but this rocket launcher looks so much better. Um, you know what I mean? Is, is that is like you, you're, you're juicing the game. You're creating yeah. agitation <laughs> and conflict. I just came here to get some gingham for my wife. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, it's pick up the gun. Pick up the gun. Y'all saw him. He had a gun. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> shout out to Bill, Bill Hicks yet again. Um, uh, what I the rant that he would have had about Facebook. Oh Could my you God. imagine what? Bill Hicks on Twitter? Yeah, it would Holy be. Holy shit! <laughs> it, it would just be divine. Um, Bill Hicks having yeah, a podcast might be the greatest. Like, see, I think if Bill Hicks was around, Bill Hicks would be Joe Rogan on podcast, just not like a dickhead. But right, I think he'd, but, he'd but be the guy having vax or yeah, he would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he'd yeah. be like uh, he'd be like having those like huge like concepts about the uh, conversation about mind alter and drugs and the the position of like humanity like no like his 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 whole thing like you know life is just a ride um like yeah. to me like yeah. every if like you listen to anyone talk about anything post that and they all just want to be bill hicks so 
I, I know this is a digression that we did not plan, but <laughs> the end of Midnight Mass, yeah, there is uh, a a monologue that Kate Siegel has that is essentially the Bill Hicks monologue uh, from you know thirty years prior, forty yeah. years prior, where he's talking about like we, you know. Uh, it's the the weather report of somebody who's on hallucinogens yeah <laughs> where he says yeah uh, it turns out we are the uh the cosmos experiencing itself subjectively and uh it's all gonna work out back to you you know like <laughs> um but yeah it <laughs> The, the thing that's interesting about the Eduardo Saverin character, too, is that he's constantly having to battle Zuckerberg making bad decisions. Like, when it comes out that the Winklevoss, like, when they're getting sued by the Winklevoss, yeah. and he's like, wait a second, so did they come up with the idea, actually? Yeah. <laughs> And and because like you never told me that, and Zuckerberg's like, well, they had an idea, yeah, but they couldn't execute on it, so you know, I took it, and when you know, like Eduardo Severin is not maybe not even that great a business person, yeah, because there's a lot of moments where he's kind of ham and egging it, he's going to different business people and trying to get you know five thousand dollars here and ten thousand dollars here. And that's where Sean Parker is like, you're thinking too small. Yeah. You know, you need you need a venture capitalist that's going to give you a million dollars. And ultimately, you know, that's sort of what happens. And they write Eduardo Saverin out of the business for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, like he is the one kind of voice of what you would expect to be if not ethical, at least reasonably ethical business practice. Yeah, well, the, the thing is as well, because he's friends right out at Harvard. Yeah. You know, so he's, he's studied he's Har Harvard Business School. So, like, he's come out with all these core practices, and you would imagine, like, an involvement of ethics, like the, the textbook level of ethics on this one. He hasn't been corrupted by the world yet. Like, because it's such a, like, an interesting time period as well like facebook launch is not that i think it's not that long after the enron collapse yeah 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 it's like and we're we're basically you had people cashing checks for ideas that were never yeah but the idea is what you make the money on it doesn't matter if we can execute or not we should be like i had this idea so i should be getting millions for this idea and then you see like how how things are like portrayed out here specifically with that, but then you look at something more recently, like that woman that wanted to be Steve Jobs. I can never remember her name. Who had the was it Theremin? Theremus? Theremos? Yeah, ther yeah, yeah, yeah. The Elizabeth Holmes. Yes, Elizabeth all Holmes. All in one. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at her, and she's exactly the same idea. She patterns herself very much like a Zuckerberg or a Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. Like d deliberately dresses that way. There's stories about her. Like the most fascinating story is that she doesn't actually talk like you hear her talking. She deliberately lowers the like the actual range of her voice to because she believes that sounding more masculine will see the industry take her more serious. So apparently, mm -hmm. when you hear her talk like this, that's not how she actually talks. Um, like on that level, but she's someone who well, I had the idea. I mean, we'll catch up. We'll eventually invent it, but I've had the idea and now pay me money. And she had everyone do it. Like, everyone. And she's that idea of don't think small. 
think huge. So she has like billions of dollars coming in. Like all these investors who don't want to be left out because they missed the Facebook thing or they missed the Amazon thing or they missed the Apple thing. They should have got in there early, Bo, because they'd, they'd, you know, they'd be loaded now. Forget the fact that they all have a million dollars to invest in a company, which means you're doing well, guys. Like, you're not doing poorly. It means you want to make more money on top of the money that's already making you comfortable. But, you know, it's... it's in a lot of respects, is that idea of, like, the... You, you're almost... Like, we now refer to it as FOMO, the fear of missing out. But it's mm-hmm. kind of... It's kind of... It's kind of capitalising on that idea by getting people to, to sway in money. Like, that's the Sean Parker thing. It's like, you get, like, million... Like, what... 10 grand is going to get... 10 grand gets you through a couple of days to the next bill comes in. A million dollars... That takes you through a good couple of months, gets you a little bit more interest. You know, you need to speak to the right people. You should be thinking globally. Um, and you just imagine what the world would look like. And once again, it's not as if Facebook was the first platform to do this. By the time Facebook had launched, we already had MySpace. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, social networks were not were not a, a novelty. I mean, yeah. it's still unusual, but... You know, it was it, at, at the point where this stuff was all starting to come out. Um, but Facebook was the one that sort of married all the... It streamlined the user streamlined experience. Streamlined, that's the thing. It, it made it just... Anyone could... Your grandmother could create a Facebook account. Your grandmother would never create yeah. a MySpace account. And, you know, the, <laughs> the thing that you see throughout the film is that Mark Zuckerberg, as played by Jesse Eisenberg, is constantly, it, you know, I, like we said earlier, it's the it's not my fault thing. It's like, yeah. I want to create a platform that everyone will use and everyone will be engaged. And so we're going to create these tools to make it easier to use and to, you know, foster as much engagement as possible. If there yeah. are negative consequences to that, well, that ain't my fault. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man, though. Don't know right. If you know just, that. <laughs> yeah, I, just because I'm, you know, like we were saying, just because you put a gun in someone's hand doesn't mean they have to pull the trigger, but you're certainly doing everything up to and including putting the gun in, in the hand. <laughs> Are we saying that Mark Zuckerberg is Dr. Decker here? He's got a gun! Yeah, it totally, <laughs> you know, I mean, a hundred percent. And, um, and, and the, the sort of, the sort of moral conclusion that the movie reaches is that a lot of this was done because he felt rejected. And so yeah. he was going to create an environment where he was the most desired person. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what he does. And, you know, it, like up to and including like the end of the movie is him seeing the uh, the Facebook profile of Rooney Mara's character. Yeah. You know, the girl who rejected him and and hesitating over whether or not to send her a friend request. Yeah. And but that's it. It's just I have created this entire platform so that I have this control. Yeah. And along the way, you know, as the the poster goes, uh, you know, you you don't make uh, a half a million friends without creating a few enemies or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it it's that he just he's amoral. 
Yeah. It's not he's immoral. He is completely amoral. There is yeah. no sense of ethics at all. It is just, I have this idea. Who cares if I stole it from these guys to begin with? They can't do anything with it, and I can. And I have no moral obligation just because I didn't conceive of it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's the idea of, like, if... Uh, like Francis Ford Coppola had told you the story of the Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't have the money to direct the movie. So you went and did it. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck, man? I, that was my story. Well, you didn't have the money to do it. So I just went ahead and made it for you. And by the way, you don't get any of the money or credit for it, but you know, such is life. And that's, that is Facebook as an entity. Like, that's where it's birthed from like like that's that's his inception so like on those shaky dodgy grims already which brings me to like a, a couple of things i want to touch on before we because I, I love this conversation but a couple of things i want to swing on is we, we mentioned the winkle thigh um earlier on which i'm i'm i may start referring to my penis as that i'm just i think it so winkle as a Sir Winklevi, yeah. <laughs> you should like you should refer to both dick and balls as the Winklevi. <laughs> so it's the full package. That way, it, it like it makes sense that it's plural. Yeah, I, I've consulted the Winklevi, and they say they're down to clown tonight. Um, so uh... they say they're swampy. <laughs> It's my board of executives. Uh, By the way, uh, Swampy Winklevi, my college band. <laughs> Swampy Winklevi. <laughs> you just played uh, Inkelbert Humperdinck songs and ska. So I love it. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Uh, so yeah, like, um, like in terms of like, because they obviously part of this movie as we mentioned before is their legal challenge that they had the idea they br they brought him the idea and then to an extent he was on the books with them but he was obviously doing his own thing um, on a grander scale so part of it's that and then we obviously mentioned the second part is he basically writes out his, his business partner uh, Eduardo and then we have a bit of a legal challenge there as well obviously building up to his ascendancy as you know ceo demigod of, of of facebook in terms of those legal challenges what i really like about this is like legal stuff in movies can be tedious to say the least it can sometimes be a fucking anchor in your movie like straight away oh look we're going to court awesome uh, and we're talking about wait we're talking about Tech stuff, riveting. Um, like anyone that wants to like seriously sleep, get some good sleep, watch like any of the Zuckerberg testimony in front of Congress is the most banally bouldering stuff that you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, but uh, apart from the fact that he does look like an alien, which is kind of amazing. Uh, which, there's a, a great meme that goes around saying, I think it's him sitting in front of of Congress and it says uh, Mark Zuckerberg looks like the guy in a zombie movie that's been bit but not told anyone <laughs> yeah yeah well you know I mean I, I he's just a socially awkward dude yeah and, he's just not having, like, I mean he's a big nerd it's yes. just that he also yeah. is you know uh, you know incredibly successful but yeah. yeah I mean at his heart he is a dude who has been like picked on and and minimized and uh, given the cold shoulder for being uh, socially awkward and whatnot, yeah. 
and you know he now he has his revenge you know francis uh farmer will have a revenge on seattle yes uh yeah, it's yeah. it's that kind of thing um but do you think do you, like in terms of the, like because we don't spend a huge amount of time in court in this movie which i think it's to his its benefit i mean it is, it's still a chunk of the movie but it's not like day three of the trial day four of the trial you know like these sort of things in terms of the actual like appearances they have and in fact that the the winkle by one is is one of the more interesting ones because you can see the build up you can also see the arrogance from both sides to an extent but you can't just who do you side with in that scenario there's a good question like who do you side with do you side with the the plight the plight of the winkle vi also sounds like a play um that maybe shakespeare writ that never was released the plight of the winkle vi um who do, you, who do you like? Who do you, Boran, still side with in an argument like that? Because morally speaking, you you laid it out earlier on. If Francis Ford Coppola has an idea but can't pull it off in any way, shape, or form, but I can, and I hear that idea, and then I don't know. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make that act. You know, like that. Like, and then it becomes hugely successful. Is it the technical ability? And the the finances and the the, the know how to create that story that is the commodity, or is it the idea that's a commodity? Yeah, I mean it's an interesting legal argument. I I would say because I I'm I like to think that I am an ethical person mm -hmm. that you have a responsibility. If someone tells you, "Hey, I've got this great idea for a movie," yeah. And uh, let me tell you, as someone who has written movies, everyone's <laughs> got a great idea for a movie. Most, <laughs> most of them suck, but everyone's got a great idea for a movie. And so if they know that you've written a movie, they're like, you know what? I got a great idea for a movie. Yeah. And I'll tell people like, let me stop you right there. Don't tell me. Yeah. Because if I ever write something similar to that and, and it just like subconsciously comes out in something I write, then I don't want to be responsible for that. Like, yeah. if you have a great idea for a movie, go write your movie, um, and and don't tell me. Well, <laughs> you I, know? yeah, I long ago like but, stopped listening to, and I, I, I make a, a point of telling this to people. I long ago, and it's not because I don't like them, but I stopped listening to almost exclusively all horror podcasts because I had found that I would listen to people talk about certain movies, and then, you know, like. I would do a review of the same movie six months later and a listener would say, oh, you totally have the same opinion as blank. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then I go back and listen to it and, like, the way I describe it, they're like, I've just, like, their argument has been so in tune with mine, but I like the way that they've phrased it that I've just used that in my dialogue. You know, it's part of my lexicon moving forward. Those little phrases that you use and then before you know it, like, so I, I just stopped like all in, I still like actively download episodes of all those podcasts. I'm still subscribed, but I don't listen to them. And the reason I don't listen to them is because I want people to hear my thoughts on something kind of unfiltered. And you you can't like we we are sponges. All of us are sponges. When we hear something put in a way, an idea that we have or a, like a, a concept that we innately agree with, but it's worded in such a way which is simple, gets to the point. You take that. You know, like it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You take that, and um, so like I, like I have, I have to, I have to physically do that to make sure that I don't do that, so to speak. So, 
and that's just on a macro level. If you're talking about like someone coming up with a like someone pitching an idea for a horror movie and then one part of that just sticks in your brain that three years from now you write and use something similar but you don't know your di- I think it's about intent isn't it like if you intend yeah, well, to and the, and the Zuckerberg yeah. thing he intended to take their idea and make it quote unquote better right the, right that's the 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 gray area there yeah. is we've got this idea and maybe the screenplay thing is a little bit of a stretch because that's a more direct one-to-one yeah. i have an idea and then you took it and did it but maybe not maybe it's more similar no, no, I than think, i think there, there's, where, there's plenty of examples out there of people now suing filmmakers because they put a short story online for example like a creepypasta or whatever and then a movie comes out that bears yeah. a striking resemblance to said creepypasta and sometimes and you know then you have to prove intent and so forth but that's Right, that that's the legal gray area. Yeah. But in terms of just being an ethical human being, <laughs> not being a then <laughs> right, like the idea is like if somebody, regardless of the work they put into it, if somebody says, "Hey, I have this idea for a thing, and I think it would be world changing," like Facebook, then yes, you you owe them some degree of credit for the idea itself. Like just because. And particularly something like a a platform which requires computer code and that kind of thing. The Steve Jobs example. Like, Steve Jobs should get credit for saying, I think there should be a device that has all of my music library on it. Yeah. Now, I I fully believe that the people who design and implement that should get credit as well. But the person whose idea it was is still a significant contributor in Mm -hmm. that space, especially in this case where they went so far as to hire Mark Zuckerberg to create it. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) And then he decided, oh, wait, I I can change two things about it and make it better. And instead of telling the Winklevi, hey, you've got a great idea, but what if you did this and this, and then we're all partners in a thing? Yeah. He made it clear by you know blowing him off and there was a whole deal about them trying to get in touch with him of like hey you were supposed to have this code ready for us to look at yeah and he was like oh yeah well i ran into these problems and that kind of thing and really what he was doing is just creating it himself yeah and then launched it and they're like what the fuck like that was that was exactly the thing that we were saying with minor differences and so yeah i think you know, I mean, again, you're you're talking about rich people versus rich people. But so at a certain that... level, you know, like who gives a shit? But also, in terms of who is morally right, yeah, the Winklevi have a greater moral and ethical case, yeah, than does Mark Zuckerberg, whose entire defense is, well, you couldn't do it, yeah, you couldn't do it without me, and so therefore I did it on my own. And just because, and I think that settled it where they got some money for. Oh God, yeah, like they they, they, they got the yeah. I think I think that's the the point. I think ultimately, like like Mark Zuckerberg's Mark Zuckerberg's worst enemy. Like you just put him on the stand. <laughs> like, like see, yeah, see what happens. Uh, see, see the the likability for that guy amongst any judge or any jury disappear really quickly. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I kind of like they they they. 
they made all for money. Obviously, nowhere near to the tune of what Facebook is worth. It's the same with uh, Eduardo. Eduardo made off. He, 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 yeah. yeah, but he got fucked more he than the Winklevoss. Yeah, he got fucked after the fact. So the thing is out, and he is he is helping get its grinding. You know what I mean? And then he's fucked out the business. So the, like the commodity's there at that point. So you're you're helping sell the commodity. You're helping you know like finance its you know like the, the, the ability to get advertisers on board, the ability to get better servers on board, the ability to break into different territories and and all the rest. That's your job at that point. So yes, you're fucked out of it by that point because it's not as if it was like a concept or an idea. It was an actual thing. And you're like, you know what I mean? It's like, a, yeah. it's and that to me is the more insidious part. Yeah, he got you, well, you obviously did very well, but um, out of it. But once again, to the tune of what Facebook is worth, uh, you know what I mean? He's like, he's rich, but could have been a lot richer. Um, and like, I, I think there's, there's that thing as well where like he was actually weirdly friends with Mark Zuckerberg. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was, he was right. brought in because he was friends with him. And this guy, like you say, it's the, I can I think it's a like almost a binary thing with them where like it's it's usefulness and not usefulness, not friendship. If you know what I mean, and he just expects I think he expects everyone to accept that as a rational choice. Like you're not you you're now no longer any use to me. So bye. Um, and why can't you see that? Why are you upset about it? Because <laughs> like, you surely have done the calculations as well and arrived at exactly the same thing. I can do better without you now. So you should be happy about that. I'm saying that out loud so we don't have to do this anymore. Bye. And um, from his yeah. point of view, he's like, but well, no, <laughs> like I was invested in it. I committed my time to it. This is my life as well. You know, you were my friend and all the rest. What is this like bye thing? You know, like, we're just not going to deal with it together anymore. That's, it's fucking cold, but it's, you know, it's that kind of, it's a, a weird practicality that, once again, I think breeds successful people. Like, what do they say, like, you know, like the people that climb to the top are usually standing on the necks that got them there. Um, you know, there's, there's that there's that level, and I think it's rife through through almost, like, almost all walks of life. Like, you can see, you can see ruthless people tend to be the ones that I mean, God bless. We all thought we all thought Bill Gates was a nice guy <laughs> for the longest time. Turns out he's not such a nice guy either, bro. Um, so like, I think it's we talked we've talked about on Duncan and Bo as well briefly in in humour in the background. But look at any of those tech companies now. Very few of them walk away with a you know it seems like a fun place to work where everyone's treated right. Everyone's like everyone's ideas are respectfully taken on board, and everyone's given full credit. I don't think it exists. I yeah, think it's, it's almost like Duncan corporations are are completely uh, <laughs> uh, like uh, like results oriented. Yes, entities that have no memory or conscience. Yes, yeah, and and I mean that's that's just all it is. And you know, is there a way to change that? Sure, but the business environment is is such that it encourages you 100% to, to only think about your investors and yes. your bottom line it's it not like people, it is not yeah. built yeah it's not built to think about your employees or you know like you and I are both video game fans yes and there's a big tumult in the video game world now yeah 
um, about, you know, sexism and uh, crunch and just a lot of the ways that the, the creators of video games have to work in, in sometimes just insane ways yeah. to meet certain deadlines and to get games out on time and that kind of thing. And, you know, there's a big push right now to unionize in the video game industry just so, you know, when when a, a, a game studio has a game coming out in three months that those last three months aren't spent working 18 to 20 hours a day yeah. to get that game out. And, you know, that's that's crazy. That's a that's you know, there there was an old adage of like nobody on their deathbed ever said, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the kind of thing that I think, you know, especially in the US, and I like I don't want to speak for other countries, but in the US there is a moral weight given to I work harder and longer than the people around me. Yeah. And at a certain point, I think that's just got to be reevaluated that like is, is your is your contribution to a business or a company actually a sign of your worth as a person. And that's there has been a weird tied to that like that there's an association made between like i'm willing to give up my personal life for the sake of the company i work for uh that has been around since you know, probably the early 1900s is really where that started yeah um and you know the industrial age is where that kind of uh, came into popularity and i think you're starting to see a little bit of a reaction to that just now where people are like wait a second maybe <laughs> maybe it's better if work is just the thing that allows me to do the the things that i enjoy yeah and and you know and there are obviously there are exceptions to that rule like you know my girlfriend is a nurse and she finds a lot of uh sort of personal satisfaction in the fact that her job is helping people Mm -hmm. And that's, a, you know, that's more of a service to your fellow man kind of thing. But, you know, for the jobs that you and I, Duncan, do, which are largely tech oriented and that yeah. kind of thing, it's like, eh, there is no reason for us to kill ourselves yeah. to, do a, to, <laughs> to do a job that certainly makes life better for people, but it's not essential. Yeah, you know? it's 100% not, life not essential, yeah. And, and so, you know, it is, I think, important for us as people uh, to be able to draw a line between our, our lives and the company that we work for. Like, what, it, what, what does a company, what, what do we allow them to take from us? Yeah. And um, especially with the labor market here in the U.S., there's really been sort of a reevaluation of that of like there are a lot there's a labor shortage not necessarily because there aren't enough people to fill the jobs it's just that a lot of the people aren't willing to go back to work for jobs that pay shit yeah you know yeah. unlike unlike europe you know people make two dollars and 13 cents an hour to do uh wait you know restaurant jobs like waiters and bartenders and stuff like yeah. that um and and people are like no fuck that that's a hard job and i'm not going to do it for you know three times less than minimum wage mm -hmm. why on earth would you do that to yourself yeah um, yeah 
So anyway, I I'm, I know that's a, a tangent, but ultimately we're talking about the ethics of business and and how in this film Mark Zuckerberg is amoral himself, and therefore the business that he runs is amoral. Yeah, and but he's encouraged to do that by Sean Parker, by the other what he's seen in the larger tech world is don't worry about the ethics of what you're doing don't worry about who you step on along the way worry about your your profits and and also your just global effect that you are the biggest thing in the world mm -hmm. and that being more important than the people who get hurt along the way yeah and and likewise like we want facebook to be the biggest thing in the world so who cares if you know people are getting politically radicalized to the yeah. point where they're hurting people or <laughs> yeah. Or, or like an entire minority of people in Turkey are being murdered in the streets because of the way the algorithm presents news stories about that minority, mm -hmm. then who gives a shit? Like we're, we're the, you know, move fast and break things. That's what Facebook does. And if the things being broken are human beings, well, so, collateral. you know, yeah. that happens. Yeah, that's yeah. collateral damage. and And it's horrifying. Well, you can see there's a, there's a real life effect, like, and um, one that I think, uh, like, contextualizes a lot of what you just said towards the end there. If anyone ever gets a chance, a great documentary on Netflix called um, Don't Fuck With Cats, um, which is about, like, a, like, an, like, a team of internet sleuths who try and track down someone who murders a kitten originally, like, how it starts and ultimately becomes a killer. Um, and, you know, these internet sleuths do it, but uh, part of the group they create on Facebook, like, wrongly suspects someone in it's a completely different country um, as being responsible. I think it's South Africa as being responsible. And these people hound him on Facebook until this guy commits suicide. No evidence. Yeah. No evidence. Yeah. Absolutely no evidence. Judge, jury, and executioner based off a picture and a post the guy made on Facebook. In a similar recommendation, you're right. That that documentary is worth seeing for those repercussions because yeah, I think yeah. it's fairly even-handed about like, yeah, here is the upside of it. Like it brought <laughs> attention to this thing, yeah. But also, it killed somebody. And mob, mob justice, mob mentality. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Silver Bullet taught us that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not Halloween kills, Bo, no. Oh, no, we're not talking about that. Moving on, moving on. We'll talk about that later. Um, but there's also a, a, a pretty good documentary on Netflix as well called The Social Dilemma. Yes. That oh, talks God, yeah. about <sighs> how... Um, you know, how the algorithm works. How it is tailored toward keeping your eyes on the thing. And it, and it you know, covers not only Facebook, but Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. And yeah, it, you know, these are companies built again, not with the end user in mind. The end yes. user is the product. Yes. You know, yes. like you, uh, when, when you are uh, some, I can't remember who said it, but it, it's something I've carried with me, uh, forever. And I think it's more true all the time, which is if you are not, <laughs> if you're not paying for a product, the product is you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so your browsing habits, the things that you like, the things that, like all of that is being used by Facebook to collect data and then sell that data to advertisers. Yeah. 
And, 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 you know, if you're going into that wide eyed and saying, yes, I'm willing to give up certain data, like when, when I'm using Facebook and you and I are both, you know, similar in this respect that we're using Facebook in a very specific kind of way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we're not clicking on a bunch of ads and that kind of thing, but for every one of us, there is somebody else that is going deeper down the rabbit hole. And that's where you get shit like QAnon and stuff like that. Oh, where, God, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can, you can start clicking on something that says, hey, I think that the Democrats are overreaching with vaccine mandates. Yeah. You know, which is not an unreasonable point of view. Mm hmm. Then you click on that and it feeds you more news stories, but these get a little more radical where it's, you know, one thing leads to another and suddenly you're getting news stories about how Democrats are eating babies and slipping vaccine into the salad dressing. And that's the point where you, you can easily become radicalized because you started off with legitimate news and now you're getting deeper into the stuff that's no longer real news it's just stuff related to the topic that you were initially interested in mm -hmm. and that's the shit that gets terrifying um so yeah it's uh, yeah anyway I, like it's one of those things like, like social media is a fascinating topic because it's something we all engage with to one degree or another mm-hmm but we it, it's a giant experiment we still don't know what the ultimate effects are yeah. <laughs> and the internal the internal research done by the companies themselves as identified by this whistleblower suggests <laughs> yeah suggests that the experiment is leading us to a really dark place yeah you know whether it's you know young girls on instagram mm -hmm. taking their own lives in record numbers because they can't possibly live up to these standards that they're seeing, you know, broadcast to them. Yeah. Um, or just the general like depression and anxiety that comes along with a, a lot of social media use. So, um, yeah, like, but you know, to tie it back to the, the movie itself, all of this is a result of, this idea that you don't have to approach anything with ethics or morality you just want the greatest effect that you can have mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily a recipe for a better <laughs> world it's just a recipe for a better business i love that i love that right bo let's let's swing this in here right you know what we do on this show we we kind of essentially try and pit the movies within a catalogue against each other up to this point and as we're saying Social Network is definitely a bounce back in the right direction after the curious case of Benjamin Button, remember that movie Bo? <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> holy shit, it's, this, is yeah. A, this is I'm swinging back and this feels I mean this is this is what you're paying for when you go and see a Fincher movie this is like, like this is the, the on, on a lot of res in a lot of respects the the pinnacle of the the visuals the you know the the kind of the, the style and the voice of a david fincher behind it you know what i mean this is i'm taking someone else's source material a la a zodiac putting you in a specific time uh, granted it wasn't long before the movie was made but he takes you into that time and really captures the essence 
of what that experience has seen through you know the, the lives of the, the people involved with it um once again this is dealing with a it's kind of I, I would say an exaggerated version of real events very much like the zodiac book which the zodiac is based on is a kind of you know slightly you know fictionalized version of uh, sorry yeah fictionalized version of non-fictional events uh seen through someone's perspective but it's a kind of uh, he's come back it's kind of done these experiment in between, come back to something that feels more grounded. And it's a great movie. It won Oscars, it's won BAFTAs. Very, 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 like, hugely successful movie for him. Uh, according to the old uh, Wikipedia for this one, Bo, the, the, the budget for the movie is in the realms of, and I just had the figure there, like about 40 million. And the movie grossed like 224 million. So I think we call that a success. Thing, yeah, maybe. Yep. a reasonable success, yes. He, he did well with this one. Um, so, I mean, like, with him kind of striking back on the, on the like, fighting the power, so to speak, and, and, and getting the, the, the attention and all the rest and all the accolades that come with it, do we think this movie is better than Zodiac? So, Bo Ransdell, up to this point, after watching Social Network, the eighth movie in the Fincher filmography, what's Fincher's best movie? You know, in a weird way, I think this movie may be more important than Zodiac. Mm -hmm. And if there is a second film in this... Uh, oh, God, could you it, imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if, if he follows this up, uh, then I, I think that could also be significant. Is it better? Mm, not for me. I mean, I still think Zodiac is... Uh, just you know not that this isn't but I think that Zodiac is just a masterpiece that speaks more directly to me yeah I do I don't for a second though take away from like should this movie have gotten Oscars and all that absolutely it's it, it is a clinic in expert filmmaking it's got great writing it's got sharp dialogue. We haven't talked a lot about Jesse Eisenberg. I was, was going to say, it's Oscar. Is a, it, like it got three Oscars. One was for editing. One was for the score, and the other one was for the Sorkin screenplay. Yeah, and I think and, that's uh, I think that's right. But I think Eisenberg. I think he was nominated. He didn't win it, but very few actors can deliver that the way it's intended. Plus, like come across as someone who is socially awkward and kind of nerdy and geeky and kind of looks not much like. Zuckerberg, but enough to fit that role. You know, he's, he's perfectly yeah. cast. He's perfectly cast. So. He, he, there's a great scene in the movie where when he's at one of the depositions that mm. one of the attorneys on the other side says, like, are you giving, do you think you're giving appropriate attention to these proceedings? Yeah. <laughs> and he, he goes on to do this laundry list of all the shit that he's thinking about in terms of, like, Facebook size and growth. Yeah. And all this stuff, and he, and then says, and then this. So I, yes, I think I'm giving this exactly the right amount of attention. Yeah. yeah. And it's a real asshole <laughs> move, <laughs> like but also it it perfectly encapsulates Zuckerberg that he's this really smart guy who's able to juggle a lot of variables in his head and a lot of initiatives, but at the end of the day has no respect for for ethics. You yeah. know, and that's kind of what the movie comes down to is, you know, one, he is this lonely guy who um, ultimately just wants to be loved. But he's also a person who is so uh, driven by his own ambition that he can't be loved for the person he is because the person he is is a real shitty person. Yeah. 
100%. And I'm also going to side with you, like, Zodiac still, for me, I, I mean, Zodiac just has characters that I want to spend time with. Like, I want to spend it, like, as flawed as Robert Graysmith is as a character, he is a likeable character. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I, I can spend time in that world. Plus, I mean, it hits, a, it hits a, a fascination I've got with kind of darker subject matter a la serial killers and whatnot. Um, I will say to anyone listening out there, yes, I'm fully aware that right after me and Bo did our episode on Zodiac, they allegedly found out who he was. I will say temporary expectations there because... Ain't no evidence being provided, um, and it's a theory by, wait for it, web sleuths, uh, so, <laughs> um, and the, yeah, the guy that sure. they think did it is dead, which makes it very difficult to interrogate them both, not impossible, without the help of a medium, uh, but, you know, like, it's, like, temporary expectations, but yeah, to me, Zodiac, Zodiac hits that, that sweet spot of the, the kind of clinic that Fincher does as a filmmaker, but also the kind of the warmth of characters that he can bring in there. I love the fact it's told from three different perspectives over different time periods. And whilst maybe landing at the wrong conclusion at the end, it lands at the conclusion of the book, essentially. Um, I you know I gravitate towards that. I think Social Network, like if you have a list of Fincher movies and Social Network's not in your top three, I think there's issues there because I genuinely think. It's about as good as cinema gets in that respect. Like when you're trying to put forward a, a story about really shitty people, like you see ethics and a lot of tech babble and a lot of kind of like a lack of mor- morality with the one of the most dislikable characters in the history of the world. <laughs> um, you know, the fact he pulls that off together in a two-hour movie, which never feels two hours. Like I was actually surprised when it finished um, a couple of nights ago and I was like that that's the runtime on that like two hours like it, it flew in for me and I think it's like it's, it's one of those examples of why why I, I find Fincher such a fascinating director and like he, he almost like we've like if you look at the filmography thus far we've done sci-fi aliens we've done like we said before the kind of angsty fight club we did a, like a dark serial killer movie and and seven, we've been through Panic Room Sun. Um, we've done a bit of, like, we even had the sentimental sappiness of a curious case of Benjamin Mutton. And then ultimately to come to the a story about the birth of Facebook and still to make it as riveting, captivating with great actors and great dialogue and just all, all those things that Fincher brings. Yeah, he might make you do 25 takes of lifting a cup. But guess what? When the audience sees it, it's, it, you know, subconsciously or consciously, is appraised and received in such a level. So I think I, I think it's a, an incredible movie. But Zodiac, I, I think we said it at the start, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doubling down on it now, looking at even at what's still to come on this one. Zodiac is going to be nigh on po- impossible bow to dethrone from the top spot um, as we move towards our next movie, which we will be doing in a couple of weeks' time to catch up on Lost Time from here. And we are going in a direction of a remake, which we've never seen Fincher do. Now, we say remake, ultimately what they would say is it's not a remake, it's a, a, a further adaptation of the source material. It's a fucking remake, Bo. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's call apples apples and oranges oranges. It's a remake. Uh, we're going to be doing The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which came out a mere three years after this movie. Uh, no, not even three years, like two years. 
two years mm-hmm. I, like two years after this movie um and you know once again it's going to have trent reznor and atkins ross back doing some of the score uh it's gonna it's gonna suffer for me when we review it in that i had seen the original and read the book so the reveal of the killer was no surprise to me but for those that don't like to read a movie boo uh, i believe that there's a lot of people out there that probably saw this as the only version of that movie and i'll be interested to find out when we record on that one if it wasn't don't answer it just now if this was the first time you'd seen the girl with the dragon tattoo or were you like i'd seen that shit when it was swedish um we will find out where you land on it um Ransdell, any final thoughts yeah. and summation on this one before we wrap this one up i yes the thing that i am interested in discussing uh later uh-huh. is how this movie and Mank are surprisingly related. Well, I'm still at sea Mank, so I am I am thoroughly intrigued. It's the only one from the filmography that, you know, I haven't seen. So I am I'm desperately curious to see it, because it's another one that did critically very, very, very well. Oscars, etc., etc. Um, and I know it was a very personal project to him. So I'm I'm curious to see... And I'm curious to hear your argument and see if I pick up on it. And if I don't, uh, I'm looking forward to Bo's soapbox where you wheel it out, stand there, and then you preach to me like an old-timey preacher. An old-timey yep, K- I, uh, KFC on the preacher. soapbox, shaking my face. Yeah, the, the old-school KFC preacher, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I, I do think this is a terrific movie. I agree with everything you said about it. And, and one of those that proves that, like, Fincher has a bit of a social conscience as well yeah. and, and seems to um, have a perspective in this movie that both, you know, whether that comes largely from Aaron Sorkin and from David Fincher, you can argue, but uh, clearly this is a movie with a take on Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. And I think that's interesting. It doesn't try to present him in like a both sides kind of like, like it ends in a place of like, no, he's just a shitty person. Yeah. Yes, amen, amen. Bo Ransdell, you do a... I mean, it's difficult to keep track of your your ventures out there, um, but they're all excellent and people should be checking them out. Where can people check out your stuff, buddy? Okay, so um, over on legionpodcast.com, that is the website that I kind of, uh, you know, manage, and that has a number of shows, uh, some that involve me, some that have nothing to do with me, and so you can find literally everything I do there. Um, as far as the individual shows I do, there's Pick Six Movies, which I do with my buddy Chad, uh, that looks at six movies built around a theme. We just covered Faust, Love of the Damned. Uh, I would encourage you to listen (laughs) to that episode because it almost ended the show. Um, (laughs) yeah, 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 again, you know, say no more. Duncan's reaction should lead you to that episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it's it's a terrible, terrible movie. Um, then I do Duncan and Bo Come Correct with Duncan, which, as he said in this very episode, he doesn't really listen to. But um, <laughs> if he did, he would learn that we have been doing the series Slasher. Uh, we oh. are on season three of Slasher, uh, which only gets better. Um, the lies. If, the lies that tumble out your mouth. <laughs> it is better in the sense that uh it gets more inexplicable in its decisions That's true. um 
and then and kind of the big new thing and it, it's not so much that i'm doing a bunch of new stuff it's just that i'm kind of putting everything under one umbrella finally mm -hmm. um is a podcast called the dark parade it is very new but it is also just me doing the the shit that i've been doing with war podcasting and rather than have uh, you know 15 different podcasts where i do that shit um the dark parade is everything it is uh there are regular episodes every wednesday uh covering a particular movie um i do uh a live stream sunday evenings called sinister sundays that is released in audio form on uh mondays called morbid mondays which is just news and some conversation that we have on the uh the live stream and then a bunch of random shit uh there's the heart of horror with kate pollock uh where we talk about horror movies that have a romantic and or relationship element and it's really just an excuse to get kate pollock to talk about uh her hilarious dating history mm -hmm. um then there's found footage fool which is me looking at found footage movies and and evaluating it against five uh criteria that i have established uh, for a, what makes a good found footage movie. But again, all that you, stuff. I, I like to think you review those movies with the kid from People Under the Stairs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not very similar. <laughs> or not, not very dissimilar from that. Um, but yeah, all that stuff is under uh, The Dark Parade. And, um, you know, you can find that on any podcatcher. Uh, and that's literally all the stuff I do is kind of under that label now, except for Pick Six and Duncan and Bo Come Correct, which will continue to be their own things. And um, also, uh, jump by the. Uh, speaking of Facebook, you can go by the uh, if you search for the Dark Parade on Facebook. That is the Facebook group uh, where I tend to be the most active, hmm. um, and and certainly you know like we have a pretty healthy ongoing discussion of movies and the stuff that's going on with the show as well as my uh continuing journey into halloween decorations which i am <laughs> getting I, i'm getting into in a way that is both unhealthy and indicative of my middle age um where <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> at least it's like a an affordable obsession like not like lamborghinis and and jet skis <laughs> yeah no but if you want to see pictures of chicken wire ghosts and um sasquatch costumes mm -hmm. then uh drop by the dark parade where you will see all of that um but yeah so that's that's everything i do yeah <laughs> awesome right well listeners out there you've been entertained of course you have and you will be entertained again when we swing into episode number nine in a few weeks time sitting down to do the girl with the dragon tattoo all that's left for me uh, <laughs> i love that cover he also he directed the music video because of course he did that that karen o trent reznor cover of immigrant song yeah is one of the it, if for no other reason, I am happy that the girl with her dragon tattoo exists because of that. It fucking rules. It's such a good, it's such a good cover. Such a good cover. But yeah, Fincher did the music video for that because he's like, hey, you scratched my back. I'll scratch yours, my buddy Trent Reznor. Um, so, and I love all that. And also he did a Justin Timberlake music video because why not? Yeah, he, he brought sexy back. He did bring sexy back. 
brought the sexy back with the old trouser snake. Uh, right, bringing this in. Where are we, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks' time for the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for supporting the shows on the Teapots Collective. And I will speak to you all next time. Thank <laughs> you.